Good morning and greet you in the precious name of Jesus. Welcome each one and special welcome to JJ's and your family. It's good to have you here with us again. So this morning we're going to be continue the series in uh, the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Last time we looked at seeking the kingdom. What is a kingdom? It's a sovereign country, state, territory ruled by a king or a queen. So kingdom has a king, is Jesus. Kingdom has an army to protect the sovereignty of that kingdom. And also has citizens, those who work within that kingdom. Why is this relationship with Christ called a kingdom? Adam Clark put it this way, why is this called a kingdom? Because it's, because it has its laws, all moral precepts of the gospel, it has its subjects, all who believe in Christ Jesus, and its king, the sovereign of heaven and earth. There we get a picture of uh, a visual kingdom and what it looks like. In the spiritual world, we know that there will only ever be two kingdoms, and there will never be a dual citizenship granted, that we can enjoy the pleasures of both kingdoms. Uh, Satan may talk try to tell us differently but he lies about a lot of other things as well and if you feel that being a Christian eliminates the need for laws or things to follow because you're free in Christ it is a somewhat of a delusion because every person follows something um, it's either going to be uh, laws that they set for themselves that we feel are, uh, give us true freedom because we are in Christ. But we will still set those boundaries of what we feel is, uh, is too far, where we draw the line in uh, those moral precepts. Or we may follow someone else and what they claim is the right way. Or thirdly, we can follow the laws of the kingdom of God and experiencing the true freedom in Christ and what that really is. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the structure of this kingdom, but sermon title this morning is uh, The Kingdom Within Us. And I'd like to look at how we can become you know, active citizens, totally living for the king, and maybe even soldiers who are willing to defend the kingdom of God. The last time we looked at Romans fourteen seventeen, what the uh, kingdom of God is. It says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And this morning we're going to focus mainly on the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> There are some things in my life that I went through that came to my mind as I uh, continued this study. 
in the kingdom of God. And through this message, we will not be looking at so much at Jesus and his part and what he had to do with our salvation. And it's not because it's not important, but because of the avenue of, of looking at the, the Holy Spirit and what that is to us. <clears throat> I'm going to go through a bit of an introduction and starting with John the Baptist and going through Christ's ascension to set a foundation for this message from the teachings of Jesus. And I'm going to be uh, reading quite a few verses off my papers here, so you don't need to uh, turn to them. And we'll be reading some others later. Matthew 3, 1 and 2, we have uh, John the Baptist. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was, uh, in a way, prophesying that this kingdom, this new kingdom that they didn't, couldn't picture at this point, there was things in the Old Testament that gave them a glimpse of, uh, of this new, New Testament as we know it, as the Messiah coming. But he was considered the forerunner of Christ and, and preparing the way for him and his message. And in Mark 1 8, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. It's our, our first hint of what this new kingdom would look like. It was more than um, the Old Testament and the earthly kingdom. As we go on, we look at some of the messages of Jesus when he started his ministry. I thought it was interesting that he used some of the exact words that that John used. Um, Matthew 4.17, From this time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, he did not say the kingdom of heaven is here, but it is near. It is it is at hand. Uh, watch, repent, turn from where you are, and change your ways, and be ready for this this new kingdom. And then he sent the disciples out with the same message in Matthew ten seven, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This message was repeated by all these, these uh, John the Baptist, by Christ, and then by the disciples. And Adam Clark, again, makes a comment. In this sense, it is meant that the time when Christ should reign or set up his kingdom or begin his dominion on earth under the Christian economy was about to commence. We were this close to this new kingdom and as I as I read these verses and studied this, I thought back um, quite a bit to uh, Keith Dean's message of the mystery of the gospel. Uh, there was uh, there was a part of Christ's mission when he was here on earth. There was a part of this kingdom that was not. Um, Exposed, or the mystery was not revealed uh, till he was gone. And I'm not trying to separate the kingdom of Jesus' ministry from from the kingdom, 
And what we, <coughs> excuse me, and from this kingdom that uh, was that was not possible to experience when Jesus was here on earth, but there there was a there was a part that was not they were not able to experience. <coughs> And we know that if this kingdom would have been of this world, um, things would have been a lot different than what we know. Them. The the kingdom would have been at one place and would not have been available to each one of us as it is now. But it would have been a, a kingdom as we know earthly kingdoms today. <clears throat> And I think the, the Pharisees, uh, they heard this, this same messages and were confused on what for kingdom he's referring to, maybe feeling threatened that this is going to change or interfere with what they knew and what they had in Luke 17, 20 and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And then John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. <coughs> And there's uh, another interesting verses where Peter, where Jesus talks to Peter about the keys of the kingdom. I'm going to read a few of those. You can turn to Matthew 16. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 13 to 19. <clears throat> When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do you men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, Whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. <clears throat> I'm a simple man, and I'm sure there'd be theologians that would have some deep explanations for this. But I believe, at least in part, uh, Peter's confession has something to do with receiving the keys to the kingdom. And we all, at some point, have to make that same confession that Jesus is Christ, and He is the Son of the living God. And I think at that point, a Jesus' confession, uh, Peter's confession, I think Jesus seen that Peter was ready or very close to being ready to preach a first gospel message after he received the Holy Spirit. 
<clears throat> and we look at the disciples as they uh, return from return to Jerusalem after Jesus' ascension. Yeah, I expect they had a lot of questions about the kingdom that Jesus spoke to them about being an earthly kingdom, another kingdom, and what this was going to look like. And I just, they were human. I'm sure they considered, what do we do now? Well, do we disperse? Do we go look for jobs again? You know, Christ left. He's gone. He's no longer with them. And I'm sure there was others that reminded them. Remember those words that Jesus spoke to us. You know, what, what about that? <clears throat> John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send, send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And Jesus' own words there. If they remembered that, that there was something going to happen that would uh, bring them all these things into remembrance. And then we have a few verses in Acts. I'm going to read 1, Acts 1, 4, and 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And then jumping down to 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And we go on into Acts 2, where the Holy Ghost was came down with fire. In verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And back to what I was saying about Peter, and I, he had already confessed that Jesus was the Son of God. And I can just picture as the Spirit flowed through him that the excitement on his face as he thinks back over the last three years of being with Jesus and things start to click into place. You know, that's why Jesus said that and that and that. You know, all this is starting to make so much sense. You know, the kingdom of God was never meant to be an earthly kingdom, but a kingdom within us that each person can have a personal experience with the king and have a relationship with him that will last forever. And this is when Peter was able to stand up and preach the first gospel message. And I think this was the first door that he unlocked with that key for the Jews that day where thousands were saved. And then in Acts 10, he unlocked the door for the Gentiles as well. And we will get into that later. So what does the kingdom of God look like in our lives? What does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Is it possible to find salvation in Jesus without the Holy Spirit in our lives? And according to John 6.44, this is not possible. 
No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. So no one will come to Jesus without the Father drawing him. And how else would he draw us to God other than through his Holy Spirit? These questions are quite personal to me. Um, I feel I lived a number of years without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And it brought many questions to me over the years, and I still look back and question exactly where I was with God at this point. You know, I did confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and I did ask Him into my heart. And as I answered the questions in my baptismal vows, I remember the feelings that I had that this is what I wanted for my life, to defeat Satan in my life and to live a victorious life. But as life continued and I was faced with choices of things of the past, I did not seem to have the power to speak up or walk away from some of these things. And being in this place causes a lot of turmoil inside and it brings a lot of frustration And as circumstances would happen in my life, instead of turning to God and facing it with Him, I would try to do it on my own strength. And things would consume me and I would react to stresses with frustration and anger, even though I didn't want to. And as the children got older, I became more more desperate to overcome these things and finally turned to God and pleaded that His Spirit come inside of me. That He would show Himself to me in a personal way and praise God that He did. To the point that at least the oldest ones can say that they now they remember the change that happened and they weren't very old. My my passion this morning is not about my testimony. And that we do not need to live this way I did as I did for so many years. And that there's power in the Holy Spirit to overcome strongholds in our lives. I was teaching the youth Sunday school over Easter Sunday. We were studying the uh power of the resurrection and I made this comment to them that there are strongholds in our lives that we just shrug off and make excuses that I can't help it it's just who I am we are saying that the power that raised Jesus from the dead out of a solid stone grave does not have enough power to change me And there is power in this spirit and it can change us. And Timothy gives a, Paul and Timothy, 2 Timothy 3 5 gives a warning against this as having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away.
And Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount gives us a way to find this. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. And this is our choice. No one will be in heaven that didn't want to be there. I realize that this subject has has other extremes as well, and I'm going to touch briefly on some of these. Uh, One is to totally separate the uh, Holy Spirit from our salvation experience. And we need to have a second experience, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's also the path of individualism, where the Holy Spirit is all I need. is between me and God, and I don't need others to show me or tell me how to live. <clears throat> a few years ago, a group came from a ministry in Africa and held meetings in our community. And that was their focus that night as you need to experience a second baptism of the Holy Spirit. Once you receive that, you'll be able to speak in tongues and to do all the things that the disciples did, casting out demons and healing people. And uh, <clears throat> those meetings at night, I wasn't there, but said he he preached on this and then he called for those that want to receive the Holy Spirit to come forward and as they did that others from the back came front to pray over them and lay hands on them and speak tongues to them and uh, if you began to speak tongues yourself you knew you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit there's quite a few in that room that felt a spirit that was not the spirit of God and they started to pray And as they prayed, it seemed to bring frustration to the speaker as he appeared. It appeared like the spirits were working against each other that evening. Now, you may say this may sound far out, and you would never do anything like this, but consider those who are searching and have things in their life, strongholds that are trying to overcome, and this looks like the answer. And I was told at the end of the service it appeared like money was the main reason that they were there under the guise of helping their ministry in Africa. And that it appeared like maybe through getting control of the people there, they would be able to um, gain more money from those that were supposedly controlled by the Spirit. And we can look at Acts and argue that the disciples definitely laid hands on people and received the Holy Spirit, others received. And I think it's safe to say that Peter and the others were not laying hands on people and speaking some type of gibberish that no one understood. But what they were saying and the Holy Spirit came over them. Let me read a few verses from Acts 10. Acts 10, 42 to 48. 
This is the beginning of the chapter is where Peter fell into the trance and God left the sheep down with the unclean animals, told him to eat, and then how Cornelius sent for him and he went to his house. And this is what took place at, uh, at Cornelius' house. Acts ten forty two to 48. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the, on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. <clears throat> and there we have a picture of the Holy Ghost coming as Peter spoke to them. And to me, it it, it seems... It's more than laying on of hands and and speaking in tongues. But it's the people that are listening that here in Cornelius' house, he already believed and served God, but there was still a part missing. The same as the disciples when Jesus left as they waited for the, the Holy Spirit. And as Peter taught them in his house, in their house, things became clear and made sense and they received the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> On the subject of individualism, having the Holy Spirit guiding us and having a good relationship with God is always very important. But there's one thing to remember. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are always in agreement. They will never disagree. So if it's the same Holy Spirit as within each of us individually, it will be teaching us the same things. <clears throat> we should all agree on true the true doctrines of the Bible because, like I said, the Holy Spirit is never divided. There may be some slight variations in how we practice these doctrines, but we will have the same understanding on what Jesus was teaching there's one God, one Jesus, one Spirit that lives within us, and one Word that is written by the Spirit through these writers as we know it. And this is the beauty of the kingdom. It is available to everyone in this world. And as we live in this, in this kingdom, as this kingdom is within us, we are drawn together as a body in this kingdom because we are controlled by the same spirit rather than being drawn toward individualism and pulling apart. Now one of my biggest fears with preaching is the concern about preaching the truth and nothing but the truth knowing I'll be held accountable for that but the reassurance I have is that all of you 
have that same spirit within you or can have and that you are following the truth of the Bible as well. And you have the opportunity as the Bereans to search the scripture yourselves and I trust you would approach me if anything was not spoken that was not the truth. I made a Quite a few marks on the Holy Spirit this morning, and I hope I haven't confused anyone. I'd like to make it a little more practical. Uh, you can turn with me to Matthew 25. like to pull everything together with an illustration on some of these verses that hopefully you can hear where I'm coming from and um, what brought me to this this message these verses I'm going to read Matthew 25 1 through 13 then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet their bridegroom Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took the oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch, therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. <clears throat> so we have the parable of the uh, ten virgins. And they were all carrying lamps. And I think if we would have looked at these ten virgins, they would have all looked the same. Their uh, lamps were burning. There may have been a, a glow on their face from the flame. And that flame was ignited because of their newfound faith in Jesus. And I'd like to look at that lamp as our life. Everyone is carrying a lamp, whether it's lit or whether it is not. And the oil in the lamp is the, the Holy Spirit. And this oil, there's enough there first 
before the flame because we know God was working in every one of our lives as he was drawing us to Jesus. We did not do that on our own. You know, without that, we would tend to walk away from God rather than towards him. And that flame was ignited when we confess the name of Jesus and ask him into our life. There's an immediate change in our life. The lamp is lit and there is desire to make changes in our life. And the Spirit continues to work in our lives and show us, little at a time, the areas that a Christian should not take part in. And as life moves past the initial glow, we are faced with a choice. And a picture was given and as possibly in India, you would have seen it most, was where they would carry a lamp and they would also carry a vessel with oil in it. Uh, requiring two hands to carry it. As I thought of that, I was thinking of us. <clears throat> we have two hands, one carrying a burning lamp and one holding on to the things of our, uh, the world or things we held on to in the past. And what am I going to do? Am I going to put down the things of the past that still look appealing and pick up the empty vessel made to hold extra oil and go to God and ask Him to fill it with His Spirit. Because I want to have more of Jesus. I want to be more like Him. I want my light to shine the brightest that is possible that others can see and have a desire to have what I have. Or am I going to look at these things in my hand like I did and realize that if I put them down, I may need to stand alone. I would need to tell my friends that I can't do that anymore. I can't listen to that anymore. And I have to show them that I can't talk like that anymore. And most times, we would not have to stand alone. There are others that are there as well. And at least there was with me with some of my friends that did stand alone. But if we do make the choice to hold on to things of our past, the flame will not go out immediately. There's still oil in the lamp, and the flame is still burning. And that oil will continue to burn out. And as the the oil can totally leave, and the flame is still burning because there's there's the oil on the wick, but this flame is going to become less and less, smaller and smaller as it dries. And no one but God knows when that flame has burned too low and what he calls a lukewarmness and he will spew us out of his mouth. And I'm grateful that God could work it on me and pull me from that state of lukewarmness. <clears throat> And where I was, I'm not laying down some of those things in the past. Where maybe I did and picked up a, the vessel but didn't put oil into it. So it wasn't a much use. And these five foolish virgins apparently thought that their light was still burning or would continue to burn until Christ came to the marriage supper 
And they didn't bother with having that oil with them. And when the call came that the bridegroom was there, they realized that they were in a bad position. And what they had left was not enough to get them where they needed wanted to be. And they went to the five wise who brought that extra oil. But it was it is not possible for us to receive oil from someone else, but it needs to come from the source from God. And as they were gone to buy that oil, the door shut behind him. They heard a evangelical pastor give this statistic. He did a lot of uh, youth ministry. Out of 15 or 20 youth that may respond in a service, you may have two or three that will take that commitment seriously and you will see their lives change. The others will consider the cost of following Christ and will walk away. They can't give up their music, their friends, the things they enjoy. Matthew seven twenty one to 23 Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work inequity. Not everyone that speaks the name of Jesus is living for him. But this morning, I don't want to end on a negative note. Our God is a generous God. He is waiting, I think I can say anxiously waiting, for us to come to him with the desire to have more of him. He will fill our vessels full and overflowing beyond what we can ask or think. He is a loving and gracious God. And I I just get the picture of him just longing, waiting for each one of us to ask to have our vessels filled. We don't need to be lukewarm and wrestle with the frustrations that go with that. But we can find victory and his Holy Spirit working in our lives. As we give our lives to God, for him to control, for him to change us into his purpose, beautiful things can happen. And it's not from anything we are doing, but it's because of him and who he is. I'm going to close with the last verse in our Sunday school lesson. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.